The Great Resignation, that is something we have heard about quite a bit, but how has this impacted us as women, as Latinas? Stay tuned as we discuss this today with Kristen Carlisle from Betterment. here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, Reina. How are you doing? This is your host, Jen Hemphill, and I'm so thrilled that you are here with me today. Listen, I know that you have a ton of choices to choose from when it comes to podcasts, but you chose Her Dinero Matters, and for that, I am grateful. Now, as the pandemic has evolved, so did what is called the Great Resignation. We tend to hear a lot about this. We also tend to hear that people have had enough of their jobs and want to get paid better because, hey, that is definitely a thing, right? And although this may be true, why are more women resigning? And what is that potential impact as a result. Today, we discuss this and more with Kristen Carlisle from Betterment. Now, let me share with you a little bit about Kristen. She is a general manager of Betterment's 401k business, where she and her team work to bring retirement planning and financial wellness benefits to small and mid-sized businesses across the U.S., she has over 10 years of experience with B2B technology industry and most recently served as the company's director of B2B operations. Lista, let's go meet Kristen. Bienvenida, Kristen, to Her Dinero Matters. I'm so thrilled to have you here and get to know a little bit about you as well as you work at Betterment. So I'm excited to learn more about what you all are doing there. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start. I know you were game and I'm so, so gracious for that. Let's start with just going back in time, Kristen, because this is Her Dinero Matters. We talk about our money story. So if you could take us back in time to maybe when you were uh, younger, maybe 5, 10, 15, whatever that was for you, where you have a memory, a money story that has really impacted you, the way you think, the way maybe you manage your money, even up to today. Can you take us back? Yeah, I'm happy to sort of take a stroll down memory lane. I think what's interesting is that I was the child of a first-generation immigrant. So I'm first-generation on my mother's side and not on my father's side. So my grandparents came here from Italy with my aunt and my mom. 
And my mom passed away when I was quite young. And so I didn't really get Mm. to spend a lot of time with her, but I spent a lot of time with them. And as people who came to this country, they came very specifically with a goal in mind, which was to make a better lives for their families financially. And so in every kind of conversation we had about how I might grow up or how I might think about the future, it was ingrained in me to be independent and very much focused for them that I was able to support myself no matter what. My grandmother worked, my grandfather worked, they worked very hard, and I was always around them while they were working. They were a seamstress and a tailor respectively, and I would spend summers with them and they would have me work with them in their shop. And so it just really taught me that I think where some of the people I've known in my past have seen it as sort of a family unit, they did see it as a family unit, but they also very much instilled in me that no matter what, I have to be able to take care of myself. So I spent a lot of time learning that at a young age and was lucky enough to also have a father who spent a lot of time teaching me the same thing and teaching me how to think about finances, which was an incredible privilege because he invested that time in me so that I would learn the importance of it. And I see what it's done for me in my life and how you can never start too early talking to people about it. It's really shaped how I approach finances today and how I've been able to think about saving for my future and saving for my family's future. I love that. And I'm wondering, you mentioned independence there. I'm wondering and really being able to just take care of your money. I'm wondering Those instilled values and what you've learned, has that shaped as to the career progression you've taken? Because you work at Betterment, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, because you work in the retirement planning, which is what? (laughs) Making sure you're well off or can be as independent as you can be financially for retirement. Yeah, it's exactly why I work here and why I'm so passionate in particular about the retirement space. And I don't think people consider the retirement space as the sexiest place to work. I think it's incredibly (laughs) thrilling because it's oftentimes one of the biggest vehicles someone has to independence. And it's easily ignored and that sets people back. But I think it can be a really great equalizer, especially as it's an employer-sponsored benefit. You know, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about that, but that's exactly why I work here at Betterment because I believe that our country doesn't do enough to help people understand finances. It's not something in our education system. I was very fortunate to have a parent who invested that time in me and continues to invest that time in me and will constantly send me texts on how to think about things and spend time because it is, it's something that requires full-time attention. And I think people feel really isolated about it, feel nervous. It's scary. It's hard to understand and navigate. And it makes me proud to work somewhere where we're spending a lot of time investing how to break down that barrier for the American public. Absolutely. I love that. And when I think of Betterment, I'm familiar with Betterment. I think of the robo-advisor platform. And I know those listening who may be familiar with Betterment, that's what they think of because that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Betterment, robo-advisor. Makes it easy to choose where to invest based on your goals. That's what robo-advisors do. But your role at Betterment is just with, as you mentioned earlier, retirement planning, but to small and mid-sized businesses. I'm curious if you could talk to us a little more about that. And I'm also curious to know, has Betterment always been providing this service from the get-go? And I was like, just didn't know. (laughs) And you know, you're 
not an uncommon story that we hear, which is people are not aware that we actually have a retirement arm of our business. Betterment was founded in 2008. The retirement part of the business wasn't founded until 2016. So it was quite a while into the tenure of Betterment that they thought, hey, we have a really incredible product. It speaks to consumers directly. And one way this could also naturally fit with what we do so well, which is helping people understand how to make their money work for them, is really retirement offering because it's needed in the space. You know, you called out small and mid-sized businesses, and I think it took us a little while to really figure out how to serve that market well. And we've been spending a lot of time really honing in on the needs of that market because they have been so unserved. And when you think about the fact that small and mid-sized businesses employ nearly half of America, and they don't have retirement solutions because of cost, because of administration, because it can be difficult if you don't have a full HR staff. There's a real problem that we knew we could solve with our technology, and we knew we could bring about an easier way to engage with your finances, particularly your 401k, with our tools. Is your platform for the small and mid-sized businesses because you said you make it easy. So because as a robo-advisor, you definitely do make it easy where if I were to go to a brokerage, I have to do all the homework, figure out things and figure out those small little letterings and the financial jargon and all that. So is being that you have the experience as a robo-advisor and making things easy or very digestible for consumers, do you take that over to the small mid-sized businesses, I suppose. Yes, exactly. And on both levels, right? Because first you're dealing with the employer and how do you make their lives easier because they don't have all the time in the world. They're running a business. They don't have teams of 100 people administering benefits. So how do you make it easy for them to do things like payroll? How do you make it easy for them to add people to the plan? So we take our expertise in providing simplistic tooling to the employer at that level. And then to the employee, it's exactly the same as Betterment as a consumer where it's really goal-based investing. And I think people tend to shy away from 401k because, you know, they hear a percent that they should contribute. That percent can feel really daunting and overwhelming. They don't know how to get there over time. And so rather than sort of let them come in and set a percentage and sort of leave them to their own devices, we ask a bunch of questions about you, about how you want to retire. Where do you want to retire? To get an understanding of the life you want to lead so we can guide you through that process and be a little bit more consultative rather than sort of leaving you to your own devices. And that's exactly how the consumer product has always operated and where we've found success with making it much easier for people to understand, oh, okay, so if I if I put this amount away, I will save this much, and then I really should work towards this much in the next year or so and get a fuller picture of how to take control of their finances. That's beautiful because it's all about being able to visualize where you want to be when you retire and work backwards versus, like you said, if you follow the guidance, you need to be putting away X percent. And that may definitely for some, it is daunting depending on what that dollar amount is. I definitely agree. And I appreciate that you all do that. And for those listening who maybe work at a small to mid-sized business that maybe your employer doesn't provide that, definitely check out Betterment. 
Now, let's shift gears to the pandemic. We've been here two years, too long, right? And a part of what has evolved is the great resignation. I'm curious to know, how do you see this impacting the economy, the people's finances, and more specifically, women, retirement, all of that? Yeah, lots of impact. Yeah, we've been in it too long. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of research on our own. We've been reading a lot of research. And this is an area, obviously, of deep interest because I think it's really created quite a big shift in our economy and our culture. And some of the studies we found is that 54% of workers today are more stressed about their finances than they were before the pandemic. And this is even larger when you talk about younger generations, millennial and Gen Z. They're feeling it the most with 58% of Gen Z and 62% of millennials indicating their financial stress levels are higher than pre-pandemic. Compare that to just about 35% of boomers. So those who might have had more time to create a financial cushion for themselves and be more financially prepared for what has happened. And so this is ongoing. This is we're in it still. And without a doubt, women have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. The survey that we did found that women reported lower rates of financial wellness than men overall. And women are frankly more likely to have things like student debt than men. So they're dealing not only with the stress that we're all dealing with, but dealing with different financial stressors that are added on top. And we also learned that women are also experiencing higher rates of burnout. 37% of women employees are reporting that burnout was their primary motivation for leaving their job. And that's compared to just 24% of men. So women are almost twice as likely to have quit their job in the past 12 months. You think about that, that's something that is absolutely impacting the primary caretakers of children who are really now making the hard choice of stepping away to take care of their families or to work Mm -hmm. or trying to juggle both. And that is absolutely contributing to the burnout effect, but that it's sort of not slowing down. This is something that people are still feeling because that financial stress and burden is still very pervasive. Coming out of the hole of the last year and trying to rebuild if they had to take out of their 401k or their emergency savings is on a lot of Americans' minds right now. And I think we'll see that be the case for a few years. It'll take a few years for people really to build out of what we've just gone through. Right. And you bring up the point that I also wanted to bring up is that we as women, we tend to take that pause for a kids. I am one of them. I left my career when I started having kids or maybe it's taking care of a family member. And that definitely impacts the long-term savings, which I think it's an important part of, and I don't know what you do to address this with your clients, with the small and mid-sized businesses to help women. Because when you leave the workforce for X amount of years, it does impact those long-term savings. So are you doing anything to educate, to help these businesses educate their female employees on this so they know, hey, let me double down if I can, or what can I do to make sure that I'm in a good spot financially when I retire? Yes. It's interesting because I used to have a reaction towards saying that women need to be spoken to differently than men when it comes to finances. And I think, you know, that was younger in my career and I felt like, no, we don't need that. But really 
we do. And we're seeing it now because it's the women that are stepping back. It's the women that are leaving the workforce. And we have to pay attention to the different dynamics that are happening across not only gender, but different demographics as well, because there are just different challenges that individual groups face. And so on a client level, what we really like to do is we like to have a transparent conversation about how you need to get to understand the makeup of your employees. Because once you start to understand the makeup of your employees, you can start to understand the challenges that they are facing and how you can speak to them about taking advantage of benefits. Too often, I see that people do the same thing as with just, you know, putting away 11% of your paycheck to 401k. That number is daunting. Same thing as participation rate. Companies are always just sort of taking a look at participation rate and trying to move the needle. When reality is there might be impediments to why people can't contribute to their 401k. There might be reasons why they're taking a pause from contributions right now. Having an understanding of the climate, but also the makeup of your employee base, what are they dealing with is incredibly important. I call out student loans, for example. There's a huge swath of people dealing with student loans in the younger generations, and that's only growing, especially among women. So one of the things we encourage is get to know if your employee base is dealing with this type of financial stress, because it is absolutely an impediment to them saving. Start to think about alternative options in terms of financial benefits that aren't just a traditional retirement plan, but what's an ancillary support you can provide that helps them get to a retirement plan, puts them on the path to being able to save for the longer term vision. And here we really talk about money as today, tomorrow, and the future, because they are all so intertwined. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you. This show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. And for you listening, I want you to just make sure you... Take notes on this because you need to be able to advocate for yourself in advocating and bringing this up to your employer. Or if you're a small business that has a 401k plan for your employees, definitely take note. One, if you're advocating for yourself, you're helping yourself and you're helping others around you as well. And if you're the small business owner, you're going to retain, especially now, you're going to retain... Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Those employees. And I'm curious in terms of the great resignation, and if you said this, my apologies, but do you see the numbers higher with women? You mentioned there's a lot of burnout, but are, in comparison to the males, do you see those numbers higher with yeah. them resigning? Yes, absolutely. As the pandemic erupted, it's estimated roughly 3.5 million mothers with school-aged children either lost or, or left their jobs and left the labor market. And that's according to the Census Bureau. So absolutely, women have been impacted disproportionately. And, you know, there was a report that came out from McKinsey uh, at the end of last year called Women in the Workplace. And what that really talked about is that 
the pandemic is taking a heavier toll on working women. And it found that over the past year, one in three women are now considering leaving their jobs or downshifting their careers, essentially taking a step back, going part-time or just, you know, trying to find creative solutions to taking on both caretaking at home and working full-time. And then you compare that to earlier in the pandemic, it was just one in four. And so we're not seeing a decrease. We're seeing an increase in women really evaluating whether or not they can sustainably handle the dual roles of being at home and a caretaker and working a full-time job. And just for some more information around that, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics revealed in April of 2021, there's absolutely a trend of jobs being gained in America. I think they quoted something like 328,000 American jobs gained in just that month. But almost all of those net job gains went to men. And so we're seeing that women are leaving the workforce and they're not coming back. I think a lot of us thought that there was going to be a quick rebound and we're not there yet. You said it, two years too long and we're still feeling the effects of that. And I know for your community in particular, the COVID-19 crisis has especially magnified this for Black and Latina women in the United States. Nearly one in 11 Latina women in the country, which is around 8.8%, were unemployed as of January 2021. And that's the highest unemployment rate as of January 2021. And so, again, I think it's having to make that decision around my caretaker at home and my working full time. Can I do both? And that's all contributing to that burnout and why people are taking a serious look at, hey, this is my compensation. This is what it would take to actually have someone at home helping take care of family. I can't afford to do both and taking a step back. Right. And I know we've briefly discuss this, but if you are considering resigning because you're burnt out, you've had enough, maybe you want to explore your other options, maybe you already have a plan B, what are maybe some pros and cons that we should take into consideration? Because we've talked about women taking those pauses in the careers, which leads to lessening the amount of wealth that they have in the long term, right? So what are some pros and cons that we should take into consideration? Because at the end of the day, it's our choice. Maybe we have valid reasons why we want to resign and take a different path. So what would you say? Yeah, my very first piece of advice when you're thinking about leaving your job is to take a step back and just look at your finances. Oftentimes, people get a little overwhelmed at the idea of planning for that far in the future. But we say, just take a look at what you have today and what your plan is and just ensure that you have the right amount of savings. We always recommend somewhere between three to six months, which can be very overwhelming to consider, but that's really just your absolute necessary expenses. We're not talking about things on the sides in terms of subscriptions or anything that can be paused or put on hold. Really, what do you need for that three to six months? And really consider it as if you're part of a family unit and you're thinking of stepping it back, what does that family economic situation look like? And just get to know it. Think about what you're walking away from and think about what you're trying to achieve. Spend the time really investigating the type of 
next step you want to make, whether that be you're absolutely just going to take the time off for the next year and know that you're going to take a step year. But what does that after that year plan look like? Even just having a rough idea of that and understanding what you're trying to work towards in that year so you can give yourself some goals and some benchmarks. And then as you think about your next step, and you said maybe you already have your plan B, maybe you already know you're going to work for another company, but you want to give yourself some time to step away and figure that out. Ask yourself what you need to be successful in the next step you take. That's your total compensation. Too often we spend a lot of time thinking about what our base salary is, but benefits are a huge component of your total compensation. And you have every right to really dig in to what the benefits are that are being provided by your employer. It's not going to cut it if they're offering free snacks at the office anymore. It's not going to cut it if they give you more vacation time because those things are great and they're wonderful to have. But you really need to be asking, what are you doing for me from a financial wellness benefit standpoint? How are you helping me achieve retirement success? How are you investing in your employees in the long term? And that looks like talent development, financial wellness, all the ways in which they show attention to really fostering people's growth. And how do you think about recognition, promotion? What's your process in place? How do you think about really elevating the talent and investing in it? Because, you know, again, I think this is why we're seeing a lot of people step away. They're realizing that their total comp versus what it would cost for them to actually put their children in daycare or to think about full-time care, it's not worth it anymore. And so we really need to have that transparent conversation and weigh those pros and cons. Oh, absolutely. And that leads me so beautifully in the next question, which you already answered a part of is like, what what should you ask or advocate for yourself from your employer to incentivize us not to leave? So you mentioned asking them from a financial wellness component, because those snacks aren't going to cut it, you know, compound interest and snacks, they just... They don't go together, like, unfortunately. I mean, they might go together. They may compound on your weight. (laughs) That would. So from that perspective, is there anything else that you maybe think we should ask our employers to say, hey, I want to stay, but what else can you do for me? I mean, I've done so much for you. What can you do for me? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, I think in particular, women have a harder time with this conversation and advocacy. Studies have shown this over and over again. And so don't be afraid to have this conversation. Just come prepared to it. So first, you know, take a look at your total compensation and ask yourself, is the job that I'm doing that I was hired for that I'm getting this compensation for still the job I'm doing? Oftentimes, if you were to rewrite your job description, it might look different. And so that's worth having a conversation with your employer about, hey, I've taken on a lot more responsibility. I haven't seen a change in my compensation. Can we talk about the pathway to that change? What else do you need to see from me? Put that on them to help you and give you a roadmap to how you get to that change. But also, we've noted that employees are indicating that benefits are also a big part of it. And as I mentioned, it's part of your compensation package. Ask your employer, do they offer a 401k? If they Mm -hmm. don't, what's their plan to start offering one? There needs to be a retirement solution in place. If you can't right now, what's the roadmap for the company to be able to offer one? And are you matching? Are you matching? What is the plan? (laughs) Yep. You're offering a plan? Great. Are you matching it? Mm -hmm. What is the plan to get a match program in place? 
Do you have flexible spending accounts or health accounts that can help you save? That's another great question, right? And then ask them, what are you thinking about in terms of other benefits? Employer-sponsored emergency savings funds came up as a significant request coming out of the pandemic. And there are tools that allow employers to make that accessible to their employees. And I know we've mentioned that I work at Betterment and I would be remiss to not call out that having a tool that allows you to see your finances in one place is so powerful. It helps you understand what does today look like and you've got to deal with today, but also as much as you can deal with tomorrow. So think about that as you think about the tools and ask your employers, what are you doing to help me with those types of tools from a benefit standpoint? And make sure that they're really talking about these programs with you and how to take advantage of them because it's so common to institute them and then just never engage. And so ask them for information. Ask them if they can provide feedback. Ask them if they can set up webinars with the providers so you can learn more about how to take advantage of these benefits. Absolutely. And also in terms of, I know you quoted some data from about different boomers and millennials. So should different generations ask or be looking for certain key things from their employers? And I know, or even Gen Xers, we seem to be left out when it comes to all these conversations. So should there be some key things for different generations or maybe not? I think this goes back to exactly what I was saying about understanding your employee base, because yes, different generations are dealing with very different realities. Boomers are not dealing with the same social security reality that Gen X, Gen Z, millennials are going to deal with. And particularly when you think about millennials and Gen Z, social security is running out at a different clip. So what you need to be saving for your retirement is different than maybe what boomers need to be considering. When we talk about student loans, Gen Z is disproportionately affected by student loans compared to Gen X. And so that is a huge prohibitive factor to allowing you to match into your 401k and take advantage of a benefit like that. So really, they should be having these conversations. Your employer should be soliciting this feedback. But something we've seen is that employees now are really bubbling this up and saying, I can't, you're offering this fantastic benefit. I couldn't even possibly think about taking advantage of it. And so Mm -hmm. let's talk about that and let's have a conversation about that. And then you even think about sort of educational saving. Again, really unique and really coming about in Gen X about how to save for families. They're about to go to college. College is getting way more expensive. What are the vehicles that I can take advantage of that are going to be taxed advantage and make sure that I can take make the most of that money and get it as far as I can so that the generations to come are able to go to school. And so, you know, these are all very different challenges at very different stages of your life. And I don't see that changing. I see that increasing. And what I personally believe is we have to break down the walls. There are too many silos. People are looking at these things in one place or another, and they can't put the picture together. And when you can't do that, you have a really hard time understanding anything other than, I guess I'm supposed to put 11% into my 401k, but maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should pay off your loan. And you need to think about that a little bit. Absolutely. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I'm curious, just the last question before we wrap up. Based on your experience, the studies that y'all have done, and I love that y'all are doing studies, you're doing your homework, which I applaud you for that. What do you think could happen or evolve as a result? I think you've hinted at some things as a result of the great resignation. Because 
I think the great resignation, like anything, is cyclical. So it's here right now, but in the future, people will go back, I don't know, to their jobs or who knows what will happen. But I'm just curious what could happen or evolve as a result. Yeah. I'd like to take an optimistic view of what could happen because, you know, I do think what is happening and what we will see for a while is just this impact on the female population and, you know, the women that have been leaving the workforce. And that's going to take a while to rebuild and that's going to take some time for us to bounce back. But optimistically, I think it's forcing a lot of conversations at the legislative level that need to be happening. We don't have support for familial caregivers. We don't have the right support for people that are dealing with student loans. And what I think is it's going to be iterative. I think I'm absolutely supportive of the concept of really removing student debt and letting people have a free slate of that. But okay, in lieu of that, what can be done to help support individuals with debt? Where can employers play a role? And what's awesome to see is employers are waking up to this and they're saying, okay, I really got to think about the total compensation package and I really need to think about what I can afford. And legislators are saying, let's help you. Let's give you tax incentivization. There's tax incentive bills in place that are interesting around if you offer student loan support to your employees, we will give you tax credit for your business. That used to be reserved just for the 401k. And so I'm excited to see that there's been some change legislatively and some movement, because that's really what coming out of this pandemic, we've all learned people were not ready. They were not set up for success. How can we help them get set up for success along the way while we think about sort of reimagining some of the structures that people need to really not be in this position again, where they're taking from their emergency savings, they're taking from their retirement, and they're having to leave the workforce. Absolutely. Well, this has been fantastic. I'm just curious for those that maybe work at a small or mid-sized business that maybe does not have a retirement plan. That happens. <laughs> I mean, it still boggles my mind, but it, it happens. I'm curious, like if it's the person listening right now is working at a place like this, what can they do besides, hey, boss, let's get a retirement plan going for us? Like, What are some suggestions? have them contact you or like, what is the best avenue for this? Yeah. I mean, first talk to your employer still and say, hey, what's going on with our retirement plan? And do we have one? And is this on your radar? Are you thinking about it? And do you know that there are tax incentives if you put one in place and we've never had one before? Because a lot of employers surprisingly don't know that. And they don't know that it can be incredibly affordable for the first two, three years that you have a 401k or any sort of you know defined retirement contribution plan. So ask them those questions. And then, yeah, absolutely. Reach out and start learning about what offerings are in the space and proactively share that with your employers as well. Give them some guidance. I think a lot of people don't realize there are solutions tailored to their business. So if you're listening and you're thinking, hey, I don't have a 401k and I really want one, or I'm investing on my own, but I really need my employer to help me with an employer-sponsored benefit, reach out to them and really say like, these are some things that I'm thinking about as an employee. And this is also going to help me feel engaged in my job. We know that people who don't have access to these benefits do feel less engaged. And we've done time and time again study on this and research does show financial stress distracts and it makes people disengaged. And we are also learning people are now saying, I would be willing to leave my job if I could find benefits that are better at another company. 
So with the great resignation in mind and thinking about retaining talent, this is another way to have that conversation. I want to stay. I'm invested in this company. How are you invested in me? Love it. And another way is to say, hey, we'd love to see the 401k. Listen to this episode. I really enjoyed it. And there you go. That's another easy way. You don't have to do too much talking. (laughs) Yes. Just send them a link. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Kristen, for joining us for the value that you shared and your wisdom. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. What did you think? I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and Kristen's perspective, especially with her experience at Betterment, a place where they focus on retirement. And of course, this great resignation, depending on how you go about it, right? It can impact your retirement for the better or for the worse. You can learn more about Betterment at betterment.com. And of course, I will have a link to that in today's show notes. Last week, we kicked off Financially Strong Latina 2022, and it was amazing. If you have been listening recently, you have heard me mention this event every single week. And at the time this episode is published, we will have done session two. So you will, if you didn't register, you'll have missed session one and two, but that does not mean it's too late to join us. For everyone who registers, they will get access to the recordings and a special digital toolkit, which has takeaways and tools and resources by Latinos for Latinos. So if you haven't registered yet, go ahead and go to financiallystronglatina.com, get registered, and you will be able to check out all the sessions, the ones that you missed, and you can check out the last session live. And if I haven't mentioned it, it's free again this year, thanks to the sponsorship of AARP. Next week, we get to talk to Ashley Feinstein, who is a returning guest to the podcast. We're excited to have her back, and we will get to learn more about her new book and just catch up on her life because it's always fun catching up with returning guests. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. Be sure to check out the show notes over at jenhempel.com forward slash 305. That is jenhempel.com forward slash 305. Remember that being the reina of your money starts at this very moment simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.